And you went to the high also, right? Yeah, I went to Boys High. Boys High. Yeah. What year did you graduate? 1967. All right. You familiar with my career at Alexander Hamilton High School? I know you were city champion, yes, sir. Yeah. Well, when I went to Hamilton, we were in the B division. Okay. Moved to the A division. Mm -hmm. And the boys' high colors are red, black, and white. Yes, indeed. And that became the Hamilton's colors. When I was there, I changed the colors to boys' high. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You got to take your colors with you. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to WBH Radio. I am your host, William Holly. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, every so often, we have the privilege of having a legend sit with us. And today is one of those days. Our next guest is the executive director of the Public Schools Athletic League, affectionately called the PSAL, the one and only Mr. Ray Haskins. Welcome, sir. How are you? Oh, just happy to be here. We are honored and privileged to have you. Uh, I mentioned that you are the executive director of the PSAL, but you put in a lot more work than that in this city. Uh, you you coached LIU, Blackbirds basketball, took them to the NCAA tournament, and you were also a head coach PSAL champion at Alexander Hamilton High School. And I want to point out that you also finished your career in education as a principal in this great city. Yes, I did. And it's because of all the things I've done prior to this is why I'm at the helm of the PSAL now. So it was a, a position I didn't I didn't seek. Right. The position sought me and the time and the timing, everything was was right. So I'm on I'm on a mission to try to bring the PSL back to the levels uh, of past glory. Of past glory. How long have you been the executive director? July the 11th was my first day on the job. July 11, 2022? Yes. How were you approached with this opportunity? As you said, the, the, the job came your way. How did it come about? Well, um, I was asked to make several recommendations about several names were presented to me by, by a search committee. And I made my recommendations on various candidates. And then one of the uh, people on the committee said, Coach, what about you? And, you know, of course, I said, well, I wouldn't feel comfortable if I pushed myself and you asked me about all these great people right. to recommend them. So I, would, I wouldn't seek it. She says, yeah, but uh, what about you, Coach? I think you would be a great fit. Mm -hmm. So everything started to move forward from there. And I made that my application. And a lot of people on the committee knew nothing about me, nothing about my background. Right. But it was almost a perfect fit because I was an educator. Mm -hmm. I was a community person, a community coach. I was, um, I've been a referee for over 50 years. I taught officiating class for, for 20 years. A lot of guys who are officiating now came from my class. Uh, I was an athletic director. I was a Division three basketball coach, Division two basketball coach, Division one basketball coach. All three levels at NCAA. And I was blessed to go to Nigeria and help with the Nigerian Coaches Association. I spent six weeks in Nigeria. When was this? This was 1983. Mm -hmm. 
And a strange thing happened. You know, uh, God gives me great stories to tell. While I was over in Nigeria, we were at Amadou Bello University. That's in Kano State. And we had the basketball going, and it was a big soccer tournament. Yes. So we had an American coach over there that lives there by the name of Oliver Johnson. He's from Milwaukee. He said, Coach, is this kid over here? I just see how he can walk, how he moves. I think he could be a great basketball player. So we walked on the soccer field, and then he said, Come here, young man. And God came over humbly. He said, You know something? I got a sport that you could really play. This would be perfect for you. And he said, The guy said, Well, I, I, I love soccer. I love what I'm doing. He said, Yeah, but. I guarantee you, if you come over here just for 15 minutes, we could tweak your interest in basketball. Wow. And guess who that individual was? Who was it, Mr. Haskins? Akeem Olajuwon. Wow. I had nothing to do with it. (laughs) I just happened to be there and witness it. And I tell people, that's why Akeem is so pure. He was about 15, 16 years old. That's why he's so pure. And his basic fundamentals. Yeah. You see, you know, all his moves, if you really look at them, they camp moves. The moves that kids go to used to go to camp. Yes. They developed the up and under, the reverse pivot, right. all, all all that basic movements. He learned it. He didn't he didn't mess around. So he was in a hurry to learn, very highly intelligent young man. And he became a master, you know. He sure did. It's funny you say he he's like a camp kid. He was kind of late in the game in basketball, so he was just taking the direction in his purest form and applying it, and the result of that was a Hall of Fame career. That's right. Uh, another uh, part of his story is he was recruited by St. John's University. Wow. Coach Connor recruited him. So he came, flew to New York. He comes from a very wealthy family in Nigeria. Wow. He flew to New York, didn't have a coat on. Came into Kennedy Airport, got off the plane, saw how cold it was, went to the reception desk and said, listen, I'm in the wrong place. Direct me somewhere where it's hot all the time. And that's how he got down to Houston, Texas. (laughs) (laughs) And he went to the University of Houston. They didn't recruit him. He just showed up. That's how those things happen, man. Something Mm -hmm. as simple as the weather, right? Could change the trajectory of history. That's right. Mr. Askins, you mentioned that you took over as the executive director early this year. Prior to that, you were you were retired from coaching. Uh, yes. Uh, what I did, what what I was doing was a thing called F status. As a principal, I was mentoring other educators. I was mentoring principals, assistant principals, teachers, mm-hmm. uh, in the Brownville section of, of Brooklyn. So, I retired. But I wasn't retired because I, I went to work. I did things every day. I was all over, you know. I had great friendships, you know, along the way. Uh, because uh, as a coach, I didn't have a JV. I had a lot of kids under my tutelage. At Alexander Hamilton, I had 24, 25 kids on the team. Didn't have a JV. And I always asked my kids to Commit to the program. Give us your best. All right. If you give, if you give your best, now I'll give my best. Yes. So you know, I had kids, uh, 
Carrie Scurry, 6ix9ine, Ice Reynolds, Peter Washington, Andre Urban, uh, Gerald Green, that coaches were going to come. D1 coaches were going to come. But that's not the key to the program. The key is what happens to the other young men on your team and your program. So New York has kind of like a bad national reputation in the public schools. And that's why a lot of people don't come up and say, you know, our kids don't have, you know, the necessary requirements in order to receive scholarships. So I made went did the camp work. Camp work was the hardest work I ever did in my life. You would work as a basketball counselor? Uh, Counselor, coach at at camps. So, but while I was there, I was able to meet other coaches, Division two, Division three coaches. I met them and had relationships with them, and they saw my work, my work effort. So now when I picked the phone up and said, I got a kid by the name of Andre, uh, Mike Urban or Wendell Saunders, you know, I even placed my managers into scholarship positions to go and work at those programs. So now those kids were able to go to school also. Mr. Haskins, you talking about putting in the work as a coach for all of your kids. That's right. And, you know, today a lot of these coaches, they like to talk about the three or four kids they put in the Division One. But you've been a coach for 10 years. You done coached 999 kids, and you only want to talk about the three or four that went to school. They don't want to talk about the others that sit on the end of their bench, but they are responsible to those individuals as well. And, and that's right. And one of the things, because of my travel and what I did, it went out to the community, went out to the kids in the community. You know, uh, one of the coaches says, well, I'm envious of that Ray Haskins. And the kid said, well, why would you be, Coach? He, uh, he says, man, every kid loves him, even if they didn't play for him, because they heard the stories. They have our friend, our kids are friends of friends. Yes. You know, and that, that's what, that was one of the great things about basketball and sports in New York City. Coming up, if you live in the projects, Let's say you live in projects, Albany projects. You know kids in the projects in the Bronx, projects in Far Rockway, projects in Queens. Why? Because Housing Authority had tournaments and brought those kids into competition. And you know how athletes, they they just gather together. You know, I I tell people, I'm a member of a fraternity. I'm on Mega Sci-Fi. Greatest, one of the greatest fraternities in the world. I'm very proud of my membership. You know, one of the best things I ever did. But the greatest fraternity I've ever been associated with was basketball for basketball. (laughs) It's just when guys find out, no matter where you are, that you're involved in basketball, it just gravitates towards you. And it's just a certain kinship, man, just fellowship, you know, right off off the top. Without question, without question, Mr. Haskins. And you, you mentioned uh, New York City kind of has a bad reputation right now. And that may be due to the quality of leadership kind of deteriorating. How did that happen? Well, it's a combination of things. Uh, the biggest culprit is NCAA. Because what they did, now I don't have anything against AAU coaches. is a purpose for them. But they disrupt the equation of the partnership between community coaches 
and the high school coaches, uh, when the PSAL, I mean, NCAA legislated live periods out of the season. So now coaches don't come during the basketball season to see kids play. They go on the AAU circuit and they see everybody. They don't have to go in high schools now. See, so you have that. So now, what do you, you believe that kind of cut the legs out of the high school coach? Yeah, they they don't they don't have to they don't have those, those kind of relationships. This this relationship I had I had a relationship with John Thompson, bless his soul. Big John, great guy. Let me show you how deep my relationship went. John Thompson, former Georgetown, George, first black man to win an NCAA championship. Yeah, well, he don't he doesn't he didn't like to hear it that way. He was a coach that happened to be black. That won the NCAA championship. Amen. So, in my relationship with him, we used to talk. He, uh, I always played the pressure defense, and he liked my pressure defense. If you look at his career, when he was coaching Georgetown, once he started putting that press in, because we talked about the press all the time, his program went to a different level. He was not a pressure coach. But he saw my Alexander Hamilton teams play when he was recruiting uh, Nate Sims, one of my players who went to Ohio State, Lionel King, who went to uh, uh, Cleveland State. He, he was recruiting those kids, and he saw he liked how we, we, we played. So we used to talk about it all the time. You know, I didn't teach him the press, <laughs> you know, but I, I, I know I added something to it. So I'm going with this story was, one of my, I have six daughters. One of my daughters was exceptionally bright. She went to Brooklyn Tech, graduated from Brooklyn Tech at the age of 16. Sat out a year. And she wanted to go to Georgetown. She applied to Georgetown and she was rejected. I said, how could they reject you? You got a 4.0 grade point average. I said, they said, well, I didn't do enough community this, community that. So I went to the final four. I wasn't going to go, but I went to the final four in San Antonio, Texas. And I stayed in the same hotel with John. I saw him in the lobby. He came through. He said, hey, Ray, what's going on? I said, hey, Coach, how you feel? What's going on? I said, I need your help. He said, you need my help? I said, yeah. He says, what's going on? I said, my daughter applied to Georgetown School of Business, and she was rejected. And he told me, he says, oh, man, what a coincidence. He said, two weeks ago, Michael Jordan called me and asked me if I could get one of his friends in. And I couldn't. I looked at him, so I put my hand on his shoulder. I said, yeah, John, Michael asked you, but he didn't teach you to press. I did. My daughter went to Georgetown. There you go. Scholarship. He even got a job there, and people wanted to know who she was that Coach Thompson would call over to the part where she was working at. He called over, who are you? That Coach Thompson never calls over here. He never. So, and that's my story about Georgetown, John Thompson, and this great game of basketball. Ray Hassens, these are amazing relationships, and it's a, it's a product of you doing the work not just during the high school season, but as you mentioned, going out in the summer camps, forging these relationships. I'm not quite sure today's PSAL coach has these relationships or this work ethic or understands that dynamic and how valuable it can be to your program overall. 
How fair an assessment is that? That's a great assessment. I, I, don't, I don't think they know how important it is to have a total program. You can't coach a sport, not just New York City, anywhere, and not be totally accessible to your players, to your student athletes. Mm -hmm. And you have to be more than a coach because you become a resource to the students on your team. Sure. You, you ask their parents, you develop a, a, a partnership with the child and the parent. And it's important that you have that partnership, you have that relationship with parents. So your play athletes, they don't play one against the other. We talk, we communicate. So it has to be a total program. When you got a total program, you know, kids see that and it means something to them. It means something to them. Mention total program, total program. And Mr. Haskin, I got you, executive director of the PSAL. There's something that I see with the PSL that I that I have an issue with. I want to know how aware you guys are and what you think of it. To coach in the PSL, there are certain qualifications. A college degree. And in some of these schools, they'll throw a random teacher from the school on the, the roster. They'll get Miss Delgado from the, from the Spanish department, and her name will be there. But when you get to the game, you see some other individual coaching who may have just walked in off the street. They're really the one running the program. And I have an issue with that because that coach is taking a shortcut. That coach has concessions being made for them, right? Furthermore, that coach didn't meet the standard that's required, whether it's going to school, different things. I mentioned your principal. That person is not going through PD. That person is not going through the character direct uh, development away from the basketball court. Mm -hmm. And I think that has an impact on the kids. You got the blind leading the blind. What do you think of that practice? First of all, how, how aware is the PSL of that practice? I'm sure you we, are. We're very aware, but it's a contractual thing. And this is what happens. And this is why uh, you may have more grounded coaches in the Catholic schools and the private schools. Uh, I remember when, when I first started coaching, the coach of talent time was a tasty bread salesman. <laughs> all right. Uh, coach Bob Oliver, who had all those great teams at Christ the King, he didn't even have a high school diploma. But those schools took in those individuals because why? Because they had a propensity. They had a talent for sports or basketball. They could teach it. At one time in this city, I, I, I worked at Alexander Hamilton. I worked at Automotive High School. Those were trade high schools. Those high schools, you could, you could, you could be, you have a, a high school diploma. If you were a mechanic, you could become a teacher. You could teach at those schools. A regular licensed teacher. You could be an electrician. You could teach at at Transit Tech or Alexander Hamilton. So that was the difference. Here you got guys, not degrees, but their specialties. Right. And we all know about the, you know, educators. We know about the great debate, the great argument that W.E.B. Du Bois had with Booker T. Washington. Right. W.E.B. Du Bois only wanted to deal with the talented 10% of black population. And Booker T., 
wanted to deal with the other 90%. And he said that was more important because those were the tradesmen. Those are the people who were the masons, the electricians that had those specialties. And one of the things the school system moved away from also is having those kind of schools because we know as educators that we have some kids are better with their hands. They may not, every, college is not for everybody. It's, I mean, it's a good thing, but everybody can't go to, every, everybody can't go to college. Everybody's not made to go to college. I'm, I'm not even a, a major advocate for, for college, but the standard is not being met by these coaches. And I, I feel that signals to the kids that they can take shortcuts, right? Also, these coaches, they may go to high school, they may go to college for one year, and then whatever doesn't work out, and then they go back to the neighborhood and coach their local high school. To me, that's somebody who didn't finish the journey. Like, whatever adversity hit, whatever reason they ended up going off the team or not, they didn't fight through. They, they didn't read the manual. Once again, when I was a kid, we had two great community coaches. You might have heard of Gil Reynolds. He coached Bernard King, Albert King, all those guys, Curtis Redding, Lester Roberts. Those guys were not high school graduates. They were community coaches. But their message was to their players, go to school, get an education. And they knew that they had a shortcoming because they're telling their kids to do something they didn't do. You know what those guys did? They went and got their GED diploma. They went on to junior college, got their associates, went and got their bachelor's degrees and became college coaches. So that's what we need some of our guys to do. Because oftentimes, you you know, we have a, a very good coach, very very dedicated, community oriented guy. He, he's responsible for winning the last three city championships at one of our local high schools. But he beats the category that you're talking about. Right. He's not a licensed teacher. He's not a teacher at all, doesn't have a degree. But one of the things that he's doing that, that that I think it takes away from his accomplishment, and in this day and time, it's so much easier to go to school and you could be in your own house. You don't have to actually physically be in the classroom. You could do a Zoom or, or whatever. And a lot of people were try, you know, trying to push him towards in that direction, you know, because officially you see city championship, you don't see his name anywhere. He's not even as a coach, someone who has those the qualifications for as being certified teacher, who takes the the the, the courses, the phys ed courses, the uh, first aid courses, all of in order for them to coach, and everything comes through them. And what happens, you you know, you go to the game, you might not know, you be at a game, you see this guy coaching, you say, well, why, how is he coaching? Well, the individual that actually has a, that license is right there, but on the bench or somewhere, and you don't even know it. There's a there's a coach in this city. In fact, he's the reason I learned your name. I had the great Kenny Pretlow on this podcast, you know, and you got to understand, Kenny is a, a legend to us. He won eight city championships as an assistant at Abraham Lincoln. He went on to work as an assistant at Jeff. The very first year they won a the city championship. And then he's building his own program at Lawn Tech, and they won a the city championship, right? And Kenny P, I don't believe, is, is someone who is a certified teacher. His name Listen, is not on the website. Ken, he's an enigma. 
But oh, his kids go to college. Mr. Haskins, we look at, you mentioned the school responsible for the last three championships. Their kids got to go to prep school. So it makes me wonder. I, I, I look at the two. The coach doesn't have the qualifications, and their kids are not going from our public schools into college. I wonder what role, and it makes me question, I wonder what role uh, uh, that lack of credentials plays in those kids having to go the prep school route. Yeah, well, look at Kenny Pritlow. He's an, he's an enigma. He graduated from Brooklyn Tech. Wow. This guy gets up every morning and does the New York Times crossword puzzle. <laughs> He's a very bright individual, and so many people have, you know, why why haven't you? Why have for whatever reason? He has he works in the school system. He's a para, and he he should be a teacher. It's nothing that's stopping him, but him, from being a teacher. But also, now, him, Mr. Haskins, he's an older gentleman, and that was a different time. Everybody didn't go to college back then. That was a different time, and you said there was different trades and things. Today, if you're 42 years or younger, these are the standards you need to match it if you're going to turn and develop our young kids. I understand what you're saying, but I want you to look at this. Yes, sir. The guy at South Shore, he brings kids in. A lot of his kids transfer in, come from wherever. They're problem kids. They have trouble. They have bad grades coming in there. So he's recapturing them to the system because uh, a lot of those kids would probably be in our pathway, multiple pathway schools, you know, where uh, they haven't done all the things that they needed to do. And then somebody has captured them like, like this coach has and says, yo, come to this school. Now, they're going a roundabout way to be successful. And we need people to recapture these kids. Your point is, there's too many of them. Now, I always thought that you should have a, a, a blend. You should have kids who, who are great students, kids who are great kids, who want to be great students. You put them together, and they both they, they learn from each other. And, well, a lot of times that's not happening because oftentimes a lot of coaches, they don't go as deep. They don't pair kids up. To friendships, you know, one, one of my my biggest biggest disappointments. I had a kid by the name of Darnell Williams. He came to my school. I didn't recruit him. He tried out. I saw his talent. He made the team. He West Point was recruiting him, Military and he didn't want to go to West Point because <laughs> it was corny. He wound up going to Texas A&M, graduated from Texas A&M. But I was so disappointed because I, I, I said, Donnell, if you go to West Point, do you know what that means? I had another kid, Nate Sims, who I mentioned his name earlier. He went to Ohio State. And he probably he, he had that in-between size. He probably would have been a better football player than a basketball player. He could have been a pro basketball player. But he was a hard worker, and then he wound up, well, four years ago, he retired from the United States Army as a brigadier general. Wow. You know, and they, they can't, they, those kids, they, can't, they, they travel the, the same route. Right. But the biggest thing is catching them. And, and another thing, a lot of my kids who played high school basketball, they're still friends. I still, I'm still in contact with Ice Reynolds, with Carrie Scary. Gerald Green, anytime he comes to New York, 
he comes by and see me, you know. But that's the question I asked you, Mr. Haskin. And we started this conversation talking about how you were concerned with not only the top five of your roster, but the bottom five. You know, and we say these kids are being recaptured because perhaps we see a few names in college basketball. But I'm worried about the people on the end of the bench. You know, I see some of those names in trouble and indictments. You know what I'm saying? I feel like too many of our kids are getting lost and I, I got to look no further than the leadership. Well, I, I guess that's one of the reasons why I was like, you know, I went to boys high. Yes, sir, I, I went to boys high. We won 68 straight games. I tried out for the team three straight years, and I never made the team. I got cut. But we had programs in the city. We had a night center league where I played against everybody. I played against those guys in high schools that were stars all over the city, and they used different names because at that time you couldn't play high school basketball and play outside basketball. And, I mean – I honed my skills against them, and I wound up going. I went to Shore University. Stayed, I graduated from Boys High. Uh, I worked in the post office, and I was still playing those leagues. And a guy by the name of Butch Niles, he says, man, why aren't you in school? I said, man, nobody got me in school. I wasn't there. He said, you know what? I got a friend who just got a job at Shore University. I'm going to give him a call. So he called him up, and about two days later, I saw him, he said, man, I got good news and I got bad news. I said, well, what's the good news? He said, man, I got you a scholarship. I said, wow, man, well, what could be bad? He said, you got to be the manager. <laughs> I said, I ain't going away as no manager. He said, no, sure, trust me, trust me. Once he sees you play, you're going to be on the team. Yeah. I went down there to Shore University. Coach was supposed to meet me at the bus station. He didn't meet me. I took a cab to campus. Guys were in the gym. I went in the gym to find out who's Coach Mitchell. So, well, this is Coach Mitchell. He says, who are you? I said, I'm Ray Has. He says, uh, take these keys, go downstairs, get basketball so the guys can play. I got my bag, so I, I do that. I bring up the balls. I say, I got next. Then I go in the bathroom, and I change my clothes. I come out. First game, after first game, no, you ain't got next. Second game, you ain't got next. So third game came up. All of Brooklyn came out. And I went and I grabbed the ball. I said, if I don't play, ain't no damn body playing. <laughs> then the guy in the background said, man, let them play. After 10 minutes, coach took my bag, got me a room, and I was no longer the manager. There you go. You know, but because of the programs that we had in the city, because of the faith I had. Now, after my first year at Shore, I made the all-freshman team, all-tournament team, uh, honorable mention all-conference. And Coach Howie Jones, great boys high coach, he won five championships at boys high, Coach Connie Hawkins, all those guys. And he would come to the tournament because he went to Virginia Union. And after we were eliminated from the tournament, I saw him outside my locker room and Hey, Mr. Jones, how you doing? He says, hey, that's how you feel. I said, I'm good. He said, man, I'm so proud of you, and I want to apologize to you. Wow. I said, apologize to me, Mr. Jones, for what? He says, man, you, there's no way in the world you could be as good as you are, and you shouldn't have been able to make my team. I said, thanks, Mr. Jones, but you still helped me. The mere fact that you cut me, you know, was motivation enough because I didn't give up on myself. Mm -hmm. So... 
So I know what it is not to play high school ball. And I know how important it is to play high school ball. You know, so that's why a guy like, you know the comedian Brooklyn Mike? He's a world famous comedian, very popular. He writes for Chris Rock, you know, he's a writer, all that. He went to Alexander Hamilton and he wanted to come out for the team. He's a freshman. So I told him, I would tell my kids, listen, if you be my manager for two years, freshman, sophomore, I'm going to give you a uniform. You're going to be on team junior, senior year. So Brooklyn Mike bought into that. Became a pretty decent player, not a star player, but he became a world-famous comedian. He Shaw University graduate, college graduate, because he, he went to college the whole nine yards, all because of that experience. So, And, and that's what we need. We, we need people that reach back. We need people that understand. And you know, as a principal, one of the biggest things I used to tell my teachers was, you got to tell your story to our kids. To let them know who you are. Yes. They, they, they look at you, they, they think that you're from Long Island, from, <laughs> from Westchester, somewhere else. They don't know you from the projects. Yeah. You're from the projects. So let them know. Because when they know your story, they can see that it's a way for them. Oh, you came from the projects? Yes. You went here? I could, if you could do it, I could do it. Mr. Haskins, that's what we try to do here at WBH Radio. <laughs> <laughs> Tell the stories of uh, our people. Executive director of the PSAL. What's the job description of the executive director? Well, the executive director basically controls the direction, makes decisions on what should happen, what shouldn't happen. Now, we come from a city that's rich in uh, alumni, people who came through. And one of the things we lost this, this is what my mission is. One of the things we lost was our connection to our history. As a kid, I used to know who people, who people, who they were without even actually physically seeing them because I heard so many stories about their names. So because of who I am and because of how I travel, I have guys like Albert King, who was uh, one of the national players of the year, played in the NBA. Vinnie Johnson, who they call the microwave, played for Detroit Pistons. Yes. Those guys, they reach back and they communicate with me. Vinnie Johnson played for PSL? Vinnie Johnson played for FDR, played for Baylor. And he was a microwave. He was a six-man on, 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 on. Bad Boy Pistons. Yeah, yeah. A lot of, and a lot of kids don't know. That we have guys from the NBA, they come from New York, they come from Brooklyn. They don't know that. They don't know that. But know why? Because we don't tell the stories. And a lot of people want to blame our kids for not knowing. Don't blame the kids. We got the stories. We got to tell them. We got to tell them. It's because of us. Oh, they say, all oh, these kids ain't like they used to be. I said, no, we not like we used to be. If we talk about history. <laughs> Let me tell you this story, Mr. Askins. I already mentioned I had the great Kenny Pretlow here on the podcast. You know, I was so excited. Again, he's a legend amongst, uh, like, our generation. My peers always talk about him. He was an eight-time city champion as assistant coach at Lincoln, city champion at Lawrence Tech, city champion at uh, Thomas Jefferson. And he's sitting there, he's telling these amazing stories. And he said, you know somebody I used to like to, to watch coach? I'm sitting there with Baden Bradford, like, Kenny P's the legend. Who, 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 who does he consider the OG? He said, Ray Haskins. 
That was the first time I heard that name. But if I got a legend in front of me telling me this is somebody that he looked up to and revered and studied, I need to learn who Ray Haskins is. And early this year, I saw you at a game and I introduced myself, Mr. Ray Haskins. Uh, 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 my name is Will Holly. I heard a lot about you. You know, I'm paying attention. I'm dialed in. And in fact, you talk about connecting with our history. You were sitting next to Ray for all, so skip to my loop. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Who uh, played at Cardoza, right? Mm -hmm. Went on to the NBA and everything. So you mentioned history is important. We got to tell those stories. And when Skip came to the gym, he saw me and he gravitated towards me. See, because why? Because of basketball, we're family. We're family. That's so important. Uh, I guess Kenny never corrected you. He won a couple of championships at Bishop Lachlan, too. So he went from Lachlan to Lincoln, you know. That was the first time I ever heard someone say, I enjoyed watching someone coach. Mm. He said he loved to see you uh, communicate with your team. He loved to see your, your command of the game, your presence on the sideline. Mr. Haskins, why would he say those things about you? Well, uh, I appreciate the, the compliments, you know. So, and, uh, hey, that's what my I, – I, if I could – if when I leave here and I, I could have coaches, athletes, educators say that I was a great example of how things should be and how things were better because of, and, you know, that's, that's my obituary right there. There you go. I think he was referring to your time when you coached LIU. Uh, he said he would go to the game and just and just uh, watch you. How did that opportunity come about? You were a PSAL coach, high school coach in the city, and here you get a Division One opportunity right here in Brooklyn. Well, all these connections. You know, Stephen A. Smith was a high school beat writer for the Daily News in New York City. And when he came to New York, he asked people, well, who's this, who's that? They said, man, the best coach is not coaching. He closed the school down. His name was Ray Haskins. So he sought me out. And he did an expose in the Daily News, this Sunday edition, on me to, you know, exfoliate all my accomplishments. So you were working at PSEL, your school got closed down, and then you were kind of without a job. Stephen A. Smith comes mm -hmm. and said, who's the guy? Everybody said Ray Haskins, and he writes this expose. And then we had Hank Carter from Wheelchair Class. You know Hank Carter? No, sir. That's the guy you got to interview. Hank Carter raised over $40 million for handicapped, get wheelchairs. On the... Now, I'm going to show you what kind of job that Hank Carter did. In order to get a street or a building or something named after you, you got to die, right? Yes, unfortunately. Well, the Henry Carter Hospital on 124th and Park Avenue in Manhattan, Hank Carter goes in that building every day. He's still living, and they named that building after him. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of work that he's doing. <laughs> yeah, that was somebody <laughs> we need to talk about. Yep, so the, the wheelchair classic. That used to be a basketball tournament. That was one of the top three tournaments in the nation where it was a must-see when you recruited. And it, at one point, it was at its apex where we had wheelchair games with NBA players yeah. at the Garden. I think we had that for three years. Wow. So. You, Stephen A. writes the expose. You were talking about uh, the opportunity to get to uh, LIU. It helped. 
because it, 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 it reminded people who I was. And in LIU, uh, they, they didn't have any black coaches on staff. So uh, the, they reached out to me and I came on staff because I was the athletic director at Boys and Girls High School. And I went on staff, and then I became um, an assistant coach. What year is this? 1995. Okay. And then the following year, I became the head coach. Wow. So one of the things, I'm waiting to speak to Rod Strickland now. But that that's a, shows the importance of black media. Mm -hmm. You know, Stephen A. Smith said, yo, who's the guy? And he said, Ray Haskins. So he penned this expose, and then boom, you back on the map. And Stephen A. Smith was nobody at that time. That's a short graduate, also short university. No, Winston Salem. Oh, Winston Salem, Earl Monroe, Winston Salem, Big House Games. Yes, yes, my my apologies. Yeah. So LIU. No, you know who was a short university graduate? Uh, Ella Baker. She was the forefront. She was the architect of the civil rights movement in this country. And Willie Gary. Okay. Willie Gary. To tell you who he is, you might not know he's a lawyer, but about maybe 20 years ago, Willie Gary donated $20 million to Shore University. Wow. So to show you what kind of guy. Now they're doing a Willie Gary, they're doing a uh, story of his life. And you know who's playing Willie Gary? Denzel? No, Jamie, Jamie Foxx. Oh. So you know that's... That's big time. Yeah. That's big time. Jamie Foxx. So, but, but, you know, th those kind of stories, that kind of history and everywhere I went, someone has helped me, you know, uh, I don't smile a lot. So people take, a lot of times they take that the wrong way, but I care a lot, you know, so. Mr. Haskins, first year at LIU, your team went 9-19? and 9-19. and 19. I, I think we went 14 and 15. Okay, that's what I have found on the website. Really? And then the very next year, you went 21 and 19. It was the conference, 21 and 9, excuse me. And you were the regular season champion. And mm -hmm. then you went on to win the conference tournament. Mm -hmm. And every year at LIU, from 1996, 97, 98, we led the nation in scoring. And we had the nation's leading score. Charles Jones. One of the things I noticed, for, well, the first glaring thing I noticed that was missing from the LIU team camp, from the LIU team, was no players were from Brooklyn. We had the best. Yes, sir. You could take all of New York City, Bronx, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island, put them together, and Brooklyn still produced more NBA players than all of them combined. Wow. Wow. Mr. Haskins, what was the biggest reason for the turnaround? Because I got so many young coaches out there that's looking to build programs, build programs. You were a sub-500 team in year one, and then the very next season, you're a conference champion. How do you do that? I had Brooklyn kids, New York City kids, and when I left LIU, one of my players, Isaiah Francis, he came up. He said, man, coach, we really miss you. I said, your guy's going to be all right. He says, no, coach, we really miss you. I said, well, what's the deal? He said, listen, no matter who we play, we went to win. He says, we go to a campus, and a coach said, let's keep it close. Let's not lose by more than 20. Wow. Well, when you went, we went to win. 
I mean, we went to win. I mean, 50 years. LIU used to be a power with uh, a guy by the name of Sherman White. He was the best player in the country when he was at LIU. And when we went to play St. John's University, we hadn't beaten them in 50 years. A lot of people on the campus, oh, why'd you schedule Why'd you schedule St. John's? Why'd you do this? Uh, they're going to embarrass us. One thing, losing somebody somewhere else. I, I said, we don't schedule games to lose. We schedule them to win. So before the game, you know, I, I've known the St. John's staff, uh, Fran Fichella. He, he was a kid in high school at Madison. So he came up through the ranks. He was a coach. So we were messing around with him and Ron Rutledge, who went to Clinton and him before the game. You know, coaches, we mess around and say, oh, yeah, yeah, what y'all got? Y'all ain't got nothing for us. Y'all ain't got nothing for us. Said, oh, we got 12 McDonald's All-Americans. That's what they said to me. I looked at him and I laughed. He said, yeah. I said, well, we got 12 kids that eat at McDonald's, and y'all look like a happy meal to us. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like and, we beat, and we beat them oh, at St. John's. When I think of taking over a job of that magnitude, there's so many different things. Like, what would you say was your your first order of business? Like, you must have, this must be in place. This is a staple of, of a Ray Haskins coached team. Well, I had to ask, ask, make an assessment. We didn't have anybody who could do anything in the paint. So we had to stretch the court. I had to get kids that could stretch the court where we make them play the whole 95 feet. So... We press because we couldn't out-rebound teams. But how do, if we can't out-rebound them, how do you get the ball? You take it away. We led the nation in steals. We led the nation in scoring. So at no, at no time did we not put full court pressure. We just played different. Now, if, if I was a, a boxer and <laughs> – I was, you know, I was stylish and I could throw the jab and move and whatnot. What sense would it make for me to fight Mike Tyson going punch for punch? We didn't play their style. We made everybody play like we wanted to play. And that was a key to a lot of our victories. A lot of coaches, they couldn't coach up to that, that particular level. They couldn't make those kind of adjustments. Not only did we press at the a made free throw, we pressed at the missed free throw. <laughs> So it was, it was constant, pressure. constant pressure. Kids were in great shape. Constant pressure. You led the nation in scoring. You had the nation's leader scorer, the great Charles Jones. Yes. You know, his, his, his career is legend. Uh, what's your favorite Charles Jones performance? Oh, uh, we played in NIT. We played at Dayton. Charles was the nation's leading scorer. And went in the half. We were down by 11. Charles had eight points. And this student body at Dayton was singing, overrated, overrated. Come out the second half. Charles finished that game. We lost in triple overtime by one. Charles finished that game with 48 points. Wow. Scored 40 points in the second half. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> And as he's going off the court, the kids, college kids are great. They were bowing to him. They yeah. Were bowing. yeah, they'll give you credit. They'll give you credit. If you perform, they'll give you credit. Yeah. 
Mr. Haskell, but Charles Jones, nation leader scored two years in a row. For those who understand, college basketball, Duke, UCLA, everybody, Charles Jones was the leading scorer in the nation from LIU Brooklyn. I think every coach would say, yo, I need somebody to go get a bucket like Charles Jones. I want to kill him. But many of them may actually stifle a player like Charles Jones. How do you think you helped him to be the prolific scorer that he is? Because again, you said your team led the nation in scoring, and even at Alexander Hamilton in high school, your teams would score 100 points in an era with no shot clock. What role did you play in helping Mr. Jones to be so prolific? We played an up-tempo, and one of the things when Charles played at Rutgers, because he played two years at Rutgers before he came to LIU, Average I'm like six points a game. Yeah. You know, so a lot of coaches can't teach fast break basketball. They can't teach pressure basketball. So one of the ways you control a game is you walk the ball up court, you take time off the clock. So if you don't have if if, if teams are holding the ball for, you know, and, and don't shoot until it's four or five seconds on the clock and they get a rebound, they throw it back out, they do that. We didn't do that. We we went. We wanted to put it up. I mean, one time we had a game. Charles came by the bench. Coach, coach, coach. What what offense to run? I said, MF, run the offense where you shoot the ball. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, coach. Yeah, so. That's great. You know, and that's why I want to ask you, like, what are the challenges of coaching somebody like that? You got to live with some bad shots. Well, I, if it's an open shot, mm -hmm. now we we had a nice mystery. We had a lot of uh, players on the team who may have been slow, but they could shoot when they were open. But they couldn't. They didn't have the ability like Charles to shoot when they're closely guarded or shoot off a move if they're open. So I had a rule. If you open, shoot. I don't care how far you're from the basket. Now, I've had people come up to me from anywhere I'm at all over the country saying, man, the NBA owe you a lot of money. I said, NBA owe me money for what? He said, man, no guys are, are playing your style. You're the first coach we saw let big shoot like that. Now, I, mean, I had one time a guy by the name Wally Briggs, really great player from Boys Eye, North Carolina A&T. He came to see us play at, at, at LIU, and he saw, he said, man, that kid took a shot from the jungle. And I jumped up, I looked at you, and you were just sitting there like nothing. So I know it must have been all right. <laughs> and he made it. So um, basketball is about the open shot, the open man. And if you open, shoot. I had, we had a saying, shooters won the war. Anybody could take a shot, like he. No. <laughs> no. Anybody couldn't take a shot. You, you knew what you knew where you could take your shots from. What about maybe jealousy from teammates? Was that an issue? We scored too many points to be jealous. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, so the ball was going around. If you was open, you shot. You shot. Why did your career at LIU end? One of the things happened at LIU was that we became the team of the city. When we made the NCAA tournament, we were the only ones in the whole state to make the tournament. And you go to LIU games, commuter school, 
more people were from New York City and Brooklyn in the gym than was from LIU. So the people that was from LIU who were there, nobody knew who they was. Everybody there knew who Ray Haskins was because they came from our community. We had politicians. I mean, uh, 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 we had a... Uh, um, God bless his soul, just passed. Al Van was there, Ed Towns, Congressman, Chuck Schumer. Okay. He was there. Those are all basketball guys. They came to see this phenomenon was going on at LIU. Yeah. So they came from all over. So it was like a little bit resentment. And one of the things I always told my kids, going back to the education, I said, listen, if I lose this job today, I'll, tomorrow, I'll be at the Board of Ed. I'll be an AP or a principal somewhere. That's the value of having a degree. I said, said, everybody can't play in the NBA, but you could play somewhere. And one of the things that give you bargaining power is your degree. If you go overseas and they know you don't have a degree, they know you're over there for basketball, you don't have no other alternative. But if you go over there and you have a degree, that tells a story about you. So, grad, get the degree and then move on. You stepped away from the board of bed for three years during that period, right? Yes. Had you stayed longer with LIU, you would have lost your DOE tenure? No. No? No. I had a great principal by the name of Steve Gilbert. He signed my leave of absence every year. Okay. So, but this is the thing about the timing. It's bad timing. I'd be the co I would have been the coach of St. John's University if I could if I would if I would have been there two more weeks. Mike Jarvis wouldn't have never been the coach of St. John's. Ray Haskins would have been the coach of St. John's. Because every Monday, the New York Metropolitan Writers, so at Madison Square Garden, have we have a, a luncheon. And the coaches go to the luncheon. No matter where I sat in that luncheon, the AD at St. John sat next to me. And he was always telling me, he said, he said Coach, you got the formula. You got the, you keeping New York kids here. I had New York kids. I didn't have kids from nowhere. You could keep them home. And that's what we want. That's what we need. How did Mike Jarvis come to play? Why did you not get the St. John's job? Because I got fired at LIU. Right. I didn't leave LIU. They asked me to leave. Right. And by that time, they had already hired Mike Jarvis? No. They were in the process of getting ready to hire me. Right. So now, when I get fired, they got people in the athletic department say, oh, he's a bad guy. We may have as many as 30 NCAA. Who's going to hire you on that? Yeah. I mean, I've, I did interv I've done interviews, get ready to get a job, and then somebody, you know, off the record would say, oh, that guy, we, we, we may have violations of that. No violations, no nothing. But what what purpose did it serve? Serve the purpose of nothing. Like a, a lot of people be surprised. How did Ray Haskins get the LIU job? How did Ray Haskins get that principal job? How did Ray Haskins become the executive director of the PSAL? Ray Haskins put the work in. Put the work in. He put the position itself. How close were you to getting another uh, uh, Division One job? What other program did you interview for? I interviewed at Norfolk State. Uh, I interviewed at North Carolina A and T. Which D three program did you coach? Pratt. I was assistant coach at Pratt. All right, Mr. Haskins. Let's get down to the get down. I heard a rumor the other day that 
the public schools athletic league was going to realign its basketball division. You know, a lot of different rumors going around, people talking. I said, you know what? I got Mr. Haskins' number on my phone. Let me call him. So I called you. I said, Mr. Haskins, I hear that the PSEL is thinking of realigning its basketball division. You said, yep. It's confirmed. I said, Mr. Haskins, how would you feel about coming on the podcast and discussing it? You said, William, not a problem. So, Mr. Haskins, my understanding with the realignment, the PSAL as we know it has three divisions, AA, A, and the B division. But with this new realignment, it's going just to an A division and a B division. Is that correct? That's correct. What else would you like the people to know about this realignment? With the realignment, that stops a lot of student-athletes because they want double-A. They want to play double-A. And that, that was a recruiting carrot. Oh, you're not doing this. You're not, you're not playing the A, this, that, and the other. And oftentimes, it's been my experience, guys would, would transfer into a program, and they were great where they were at, but they transfer in the program, and they just sit on the bench. They don't play. Okay, Mr. Hatt, let's, let's talk about a little bit of the details, like the specifics. The current double-A schools, mm-hmm. they're just going to all go to the A division. Right. Are there any A schools that will be knocked down to the B division? No. Okay. And when we play the PSAL championship game, the winner of the A division will represent New York City in the double-A in the state. And the loser will represent New York City in the A. That's what the Catholic schools do. The Catholic schools do a lot of things a lot better than us. At the end of the season, they have team camps where coaches come from all over the country in a live period to see them. Well, after the season, we're going to have team camps. Am I embarrassed to say that we are copying? No. The Catholic schools? No. I'm happy to say that they have experimented and their experiment was success because success and and we didn't think of it first. We shouldn't do it. No. Whatever's gonna help us, we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of things different. So in 2023, at the end of the season, there's gonna be team camps where uh, high schools will compete and college coaches can come through. College coaches come through. It'll be a live period where we invite them. And that's gonna be ran by the PSAL? Yes. Capture schools do it. How many schools do you anticipate being a part of that? Uh, we we still work we're still working on the numbers. Okay. okay. All right, but those kind of things and, and, and this is what we're gonna go back to. We're gonna have all borough teams, PSA all borough, A and B. We're gonna have coaches coach of the year in all the boroughs. We're gonna recognize the kids, we're gonna recognize the scholar athlete, the scholar teams of the year. All all, all that all that recognition we're gonna put back. We wanna we're going to build we up. Elevate, we want to elevate the league. With the realignment, mm-hmm. who all helped to uh, make this decision? Well, my basketball czar is the great Dwayne Morton. Tiny Morton. Coach of, past coach of Lincoln, who's won more championships than any other high school coach in New York City. When did you guys start working on this, this, this decision, this plan? 
we, we have casual talks, you know. I've, I've spoken to people about it. I spoke to Kenny Pretlow, you know, spoke to Ruth Lovelace. And, and this was before I became, okay. you know, uh, uh, what my vision was. And I, I also had a conversation with Mo Hicks. You know Mo Hicks? I've heard the name recently. Mo Hicks was the coach of uh, Rice High School. He had Felipe, and he has a... a Felipe Lopez, former St. John standout. Yeah, the, uh, what's the guy? Kimber Walker. Had all those guys at Rice. And Maurice Hicks is the only coach that I know of in the history of New York City basketball that won a PSL championship at Brandeis High School and won city championships at Rice High School, Catholic and public. And he's won something like four state championships. Mr. Haskins, allow me to provide some pushback. Many people will say those double-A teams that were competing at that level now being bumped into the A, they're going to demolish the competition. They're going to be slaughters. It's going to be unfair and imbalanced. To that, the PSHL says what? I don't think so. What, what, what happened before we had double-A? All those teams, all those teams played in the A, right. in the B. So what happened before? Who demolished what? And, and Mr. Haskins, that was the reason for the creation of the double-A division, no? No. Uh, the creation of, of the double-A is because we were out of alignment with the state where we only sent two teams to the state championships because we only had an A and a B. Instead of sending three. We didn't send three. The rest of the state sent four. Hold on, Mr. Haskins. Mr. Haskins. We were watching Through the Fire... And we watching Sebastian Telfair rip up teams like New Utrecht and different schools. And we believe, as fans, that's why the city said we need a double-A division for these kind of juggernauts to put them all together. This is what we need. We need better coaches. Right? Going back to John Thompson. We had a lot of long talks. I'm talking I'm complaining about this and that and this and that. He said, Coach, you finished? <laughs> I said, yeah. He said, you know what? If you want to win, if you want your program to be better, then you'll be a better coach. You got to coach better. That's all. Our coaches got to coach better. And how are we going to help that? In New York City, every week, a coach is just a name, another name for a teacher, educator. Every week. We have staff development for English, math, phys ed, all our teachers. Well, why can't we develop the coaches? Why can't they have staff development? You know, why, why they, whatever they go in, they come out with. Nothing new, no change. So let me say this to you, Mr. Haskins. Um, I had a young man. Well, let's go back to the pandemic year. Late 2021, the mm -hmm. PSEL allows us to play a six-game schedule, right? And I say us because I'm an assistant coach at Wingate High School. And at that time, I was an assistant at John Dewey. Because of the pandemic, PSEL, the city didn't want us traveling too much. So schools played their local competition. There was a young man. He was actually a guest on the show. He's a great young man, a talented ball player. He scored 75 points. And then he scored 90 points. And then he scored 90 again. That was horrible. But, Mr. Haskins, one would say... Had he been playing double-A competition, we don't 
we're not sure if he would have been able to do that. He was able to pull that off because he was playing against inferior schools that just happened to be local. And without a double-A division, this is what much of the city's basketball may look like. No, that was, to me, that was poor coaching. He came from a program where they had a whole lot of good players. Yes, sir. So how, how is he going to score all those points? What the other, what are the other players doing? And then that, that same individual you're talking about, he got a Division I scholarship and had the red shirt that year. Well, if he was that good, he should have been able to go in college and do some of the same things. He should have been a one-and-done guy, right? Right. So, I mean, that, that – to me, that was a crime against the against the team, a crime against basketball. Now, Mr. Haskins, would you agree that the double-A division, having the best kids play against the best kids, helped to sharpen them, and they may, may lose out on that? No. All that's going to do is rise the other kids. <laughs> One of the things you, you notice about kids, once again, they all transfer into double-A, so they're leaving their teams. So they transferred to double A. You only five only five guys could be on the court. So so what happens? What happened to those kids who were really good players and they were tremendous players at the school they were at? But they they left they they left thirty minutes of play for ten minutes of play. This is very true. And I I agree with you there, Mr. Haskins. There's a, like you said that was a recruiting carrot for the double A schools. Like, some of those coaches may not even be the greatest, but if I'm a kid and I got some pride in myself and I want to win the city championship, well, it's only these six schools that I got a shot. You know what I'm saying? So that recruiting character is, is now removed for those coaches, and they got to come out here and work now. That's right. Now, I will say, uh, uh, Mr. Haskins, um, I, saw, I mentioned that I saw you earlier with Skip, with, uh, Skip to my little earlier in the year. That was at City College where the A-Division championship was taking place. It was between Transit Tech and Murray Bertram. A great game. A great game. Right? Uh, two tough teams. Uh, Transit Tech was ranked number one in, in, the, in the state in the A-Division. Now, with just two division, teams like that won't have that stage. You know, one could say that the city is now cannibalizing some of his own teams. Well, prior to prior to AA, Transit Tech was a good A school. Year in and year out. Automotive was a good A school. Year in and, and year out. So I just think that at the end of the day, our kids will be better for having an A. I, I think we oftentimes stress Everybody going to the Apollo. You know, you could, you, there's other roads to being a great entertainer without going to the Apollo. So uh, I think it's going to, I think it's, it's basically going to work for us. And you want to know the thing that happened prior to this? Co these coaches don't even talk to each other, they don't communicate to each other. But because of the change, now they're talking. <laughs> now, now they talk and they got an opinion about something, and we want to hear. Can this, can this, can this be wrong? It could be wrong, but it can't be said that we didn't try something different. Sure. Mr. Haskins, you personally, what was your biggest reservations about the re realignment? None. 
I, I didn't have any. I, I didn't have any. I, I just think that uh, the amount of games that 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 perhaps no one's gonna have more than fourteen league games. So that means that each team can play ten non-league games. So this is one of the things that that hurts basketball in New York City. Some schools, like the smaller schools, some of the smaller A schools, some of the smaller B schools, they only play the games that the PSL pay for. They don't play non-league games. And that shouldn't be. the kid. You could play 24 games. Another component that what we, we're going to do with the so-called double A teams, we're going to have matchups where a double A, we're going to have a day where these games are exempt from their 24 games, where they come and play a showcase. So, but uh, we, 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 we'll, be, we'll be better for it. And it's going to be, you know, coaches, if, if you're a real coach, everything should be teaching. If I see that my team is good at this and not good at that, and because we're good at this and we playing against a lesser opponent. Well, why not try this? Why not, you know? Mr. Haskins, why implement this right away? Why not give schools, teams, coaches a heads up? Hey, in two years, we're going to do this. In one year, we're going to do this. Well, we're going to do it. So what's the difference in one year, two years? We're in New York City. We're in the basketball capital of the world. All right? We, we got players all over. To me... I look at all the kids in the city. One of the best plays in the city is the Auburn kid at Transit Tech. Ashton Reynolds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's 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 amazing. He is. He is. But I I seen kids this summer transfer to A Double A schools because mm-hmm. they want to play Double A basketball. See. I see families do it. So now that move is kind of in vain. Yes, it is. Yes, transfer back. <laughs> See and that's see and that's it's not that it's a better we got a better coach, this, no it's just that they winning. They want to go compete for the gym. You know you you could join a winner you could be a winner. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking to my people, my people, my people about this, and I wonder if is it kind of like a regional bias for us because again we're in Brooklyn, it's the South Shores, it's the Canarsies, it's the it's the Bedfords, it's the Boys and Girls High School. Does this move maybe impact that area? A little bit more than the rest of the city. Well, because the champions come out of this specific group a lot of the time. Brooklyn, always. Yeah. It's, it's always Queens, been like this. Jeffs, Boys High, like in Queens, the realignment may not be as big in Manhattan and the Bronx. Is it possible that Brooklyn? But let's let's be truthful. We're the fourth largest city in America. Yes, sir. So, and if we're the basketball capital of the world. And we're the fourth largest city, then we should have more players in Brooklyn than any other borough. And a, and, a, and a lot of those teams, if you really look and you research, you see players that come from Brooklyn on those teams. When, when uh, Bobby Hurley was at his best at St. Anthony's in Jersey City, he had two kids that lived right across the street from Boys and Girls High School, get on train every day to go to St. Anthony's. You know, come on. We want to keep the kids home. We want we want to develop. A lot of times, yeah, it's rough. 
You move in another neighborhood, you move into a better apartment, you buy a bigger house, it costs more, but you make the adjustments. And we're gonna, our kids are going to make the adjustments. Our coaches are going to make the adjustments. One of the things that, that I, I, I want coaches to be able to do is pick up the phone, call. We're going to have buddy coaches, call. If you want to know how to do something or if you're not doing something, you want, or you're having a problem with this, that, and the other, call. What's up, buddy coach? A buddy coach. You got coaches with, who lack ex- experience. How do you, you my buddy coach? You got to pair coaches with different people. Yeah, I want them to be friends. I and want them to talk. Mentor, yeah. You can't tell me that your coach is not happy to be in A division with all A. If you have that competitive edge, yeah. I mean, when Wingate, Wingate was the double A. Wingate was one of the one of the best programs in the city, in the history of the city of New York. But I will say this, Mr. Asking, and this is when I asked about the timing. If we're recruiting, recruiting, had we had advance notice and the kids and their families known, then they could have been like, I. Well, you're not. We're going to play against everybody. You're not recruiting. Recruiting is illegal. Yeah, it's illegal. (laughs) But um, for the the next few years, it may be rough. The the juggernauts got, they they loaded already. But I, listen, it it could be fair. But I I, I see, I saw your team play. I saw Wingate play. Yes, sir. And I think they're going to be all right. You're going to make adjustments. Guys are going to learn. Listen, I had a team. I had 25 players. I had 14 Division I players on my team. Not all in the same age category. So I had Ed Dowdner, Gerald Green. Green, they were unseasoned players with a lot of talent and got killed in practice every day against Beetle Washington, Andre Irvin, those kids. They had to play against them every day. But you know what happens? It comes a point where they learn how to play against. They they, they raise their game. So let's let's raise our game. Let's raise our talent. We we're gonna be all right. Do you guys have the divisions set up already? Uh, matter of fact, when I leave here, myself, Coach Morton, Coach Allen, we're gonna be we we're gonna finalize that. Will it be based off of demographic, or are you guys considering hey? Thomas Jefferson has double-A talent. Let's maybe give him a little. We got two double-A's in each division. We got about four or five divisions in Brooklyn. Okay. Got two double-A's in each in each of those. And we try to do it by neighborhood. We try to group you by your neighbor, your area, so we could build up those rivalries. And let, let's think about this. This is what we have to do with sports in this city where we're, we're dying. We don't have the culture in our schools that we should have. We don't have the student body. The students don't come out. The teachers don't come out. We want that kind of program. We, we, we don't want just to have a team. We want to have a program where everybody's involved because at really athletics are not just about the kids on the floor. They're about the kids in the stands, about the cheerleaders, about the teachers, the whole community coming together. So we, we, we want to bring that kind of culture back to sports in New York City. Now, with the divisions A and B, moving forward, how do we determine, oh, what would be the process if a B school wants to move up to the A? Like, what do you guys consider? 
is it student body? Like, how, how do we decide which is A and B now? It, it can be student body, but but uh, it all comes with the coach. Yeah. A lot of coaches want to move up. If they, if they can get their principal to agree, then, of course, we, we'll, we'll move you up. And you said there's no eight schools that will get their schedule 2022, 23, and be bounced down to the beat? No. Without notification. Okay. Oh, give me a second. Let me make sure I got it all. But Wingate is an A school, right? Yes, sir. Mr. Haskins, when I first heard it, I generally had no opinion. I said, let's let's listen, because there's some smart people up here, Mr. Ray Haskins, Tiny Moore, making decisions. And honestly, now that I hear everything, I understand. You know? So, just coming on this show, you, you know what? Uh, I wanted to try to work something out with you where we could bring student athletes here. Let's do part, it. And, and be a part because we need to hear what our young people have to say. Yes, sir. You know, and, and, and these kind of experiences can only make them better. I'm trying. You know, Let's so do we, it. I'm going to get you to be a part of, of, of what we're doing. We, we, need, we, we need this kind of. Exposure. For sure. For sure. I've had of. some PSAO stars on. Uh, the great Femio de Cali. Uh, I had Jaquan Carlos. I have another PSAO standout coming up. I, I ain't even released that yet. Say Kusilla, who uh, started South Shore. He's now going to Towson. Uh, he was the D2 National Player of the Year actually this past year at North Southeastern. So uh, we, we welcome that. In fact, that's something I wanted to ask you about. The PSAL is perhaps the biggest public school league in the country? It is, and the first. Started in 1903. What's, what's next? I feel like so much more can be done. Like, even in media. We, there was a show, Mike Quick. You remember Mike Quick High School Weekly? I know Mike Quick very well. I knew Mike Quick. How can we put something together like that for the PSL? Well, we just, that's a conversation. Let's do it. Let's do it. What else? You talked about the team camp. What else can be done with this great league, the biggest league? Somebody told me that the PSEL is the only public school league in the country that has a cricket division. We have cricket because we have a large Caribbean population. And, and, and also, I want people to understand, what we're doing for the guys, we're doing for the girls, too. Yes, I forgot. Yes. So yes. they're doing it. So I, I want to get Brenda Morgan to come on this program because she's our sports coordinator in um, charge of basketball. And she does a tremendous job. You know, basically, she recruited me to the PSAL as the basketball commissioner last year for Brooklyn. So we, we need to get those kind of – we need to get people involved, like Tiny Morton. I mean, we can't have that guy out of coaching all this time before all he's done. What is Tiny Morton's role with the PSAL? He's the basketball czar. The basketball czar. Yeah. That's just a position for him. That's a position. That's because that's who he is, and that 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 name, that title, just pays homage to some of the accomplishments. He's a great mind. When I I I, I told you I I was a mentor. I mentored his principal at his school out in Coney Island. He's working in a K to eight school, and uh, him and his principal wasn't getting along too well. And I'm mentoring her to the principal, and she has. She has attitude because he has attitude. <laughs> so she tells me, she says, I'm, I'm going to rate him a you. So I said, let me go. Let me go see how she thinks she's going to rate him a you. I'm going to go in this classroom. I'm in this classroom, math teacher. This guy is a great basketball coach. But 
He's a better math teacher than he is even a basketball coach. And you know what he's accomplished in basketball. So I said, how are you going to rate this guy? I said, we got to meet, man. We got to tear down these barriers, you know, because he got this wall up, she got this wall up. So we broke the walls down. We sat down. We talked. Now they're the best of friends. Isn't it? It's kind of funny that Tiny is not a basketball star at the PSL. Wasn't he like a marked man for years? Like the PSL wanted to investigate him. He was on the cover of newspapers getting Tiny. Isn't it just? So was I. <laughs> so was I. And to Tiny's credit, never found guilty of anything. Salute to the great Tiny Morton. Yeah. We actually saw Tiny working with South Shore this past season. Mm-hmm. Like his name was up on the website as a coach. Uh, uh, Assistant, coach. yeah. What was that about? Uh I I don't really know the inner work because I don't know what happened with that, but I, I know whatever happened, it didn't work. So, so we gotta get him. We gotta get him as a guest. He, I mean, he has an interesting, very interesting. Tiny ain't coming here to give it up. Yeah, I, when I leave here, I'm gonna be with Tiny, <laughs> and I'm gonna call you. There you go. All right, I'm gonna call you. So keep your keep your phone lines open, Mr. Haskins. Uh, you replaced the man. Well, they didn't replace the man. You hold the position that was once held by a gentleman by the name of Donald Douglas, who served in the PSL for years. He retired and unfortunately passed shortly after. Uh, did you know Donald Douglas? I, I knew him as a kid. He played at Bushwick when I was coaching at Hamilton. He, matter of fact, he one of his best friends was a guy by the name of Israel Cameron. They were best friends. They grew up in the Bushwick community together. You know, ball. He's, he was a decent player, high jumping guy. What What do you think, or would you like people to know? Like, what was his PSAL legacy? Oh, he, very, very dedicated, regimented, regimented person. Uh, I think he gave a lot to the PSAL. I think I think he gave his life to the PSAL. You know, so. Uh, and uh, I think uh, it was great that they, they named the uh, championship trophy in his name. So, you know, he, he put a lot of years in. Tommy Hemus put a lot of years in. Uh, John Gladding, uh, Jack Kriegsman, the, all those guys, they, you know, they put a lot of good time in. So, Mr. Haskins, do we miss anything? Anything you want the people to know? Well, I just want anybody, if you have any questions, if, if you want to know anything, don't ask me, you know. Yeah. Send me an email. I, I'll get back to you. I answer all questions, whether they're good or bad. So. For sure, for sure. You know, I put in a call, and you answered. I asked you to pull up, and you're here, and you answered the questions that I had for you. Uh, you put in so much work in the city. All college levels in the classroom, uh, mentoring, principals, like, you've done it all. And, and we greatly appreciate you. I appreciate you for sure for showing up. Have, have you seen the, the documentary, Ballside Middle? No, sir. You got to see that, Brooklyn Basketball, Ballside Middle. Okay. Tubu, you, you, you would enjoy that. I'm on it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was the great Ray Haskins. I'm William Holly, WBH Radio. We out.